Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So the Warriors have taken a two games to one lead. They beat the Memphis Grizzlies in San Francisco at Chase Center, 142-112. And I just want to really quickly talk about this whole Ja Morant injury thing. And I've been on Twitter since the game ended and everybody is just it's it's ridiculous it's nuts i don't think what jordan Poole did <laughs> is comparable at all to what dylan brooks did to gary payton the second it's silly that it's come down to this and john morant had tweeted after the game quoting steve kerr broke the code while attaching a video, a short video of Jordan Poole grabbing at Jaws' knee. Now, I'll admit, maybe I'm a little bit biased, but <laughs> Dylan Brooks ran up, didn't make a play for the ball, and smacked Gary Payton II upside the head. And in this situation with Jordan Poole, you know, he and Andrew Wiggins were doubling. Jordan Poole swiped at the ball. And honestly, yeah, like he grabbed his knee, gave him a little push. To me, honestly, like that is the equivalent of one of those little plays that you try to sneak in that the refs don't see. It's like grabbing someone's shorts. And to claim that that is what caused Jaw's knee injury, I mean, if you look at the video, if you are able to find one that starts earlier than the grab, you'll see that. Jordan Poole and John Morant knock knees. You know, that is definitely more painful than, say, Jordan Poole, you know, pulling a little bit. And like anything else, when you see it in slow motion, it looks way worse. It's a really quick thing. If you watch it in slow motion, it looks like he holds or caresses his knee for several seconds. But it, in reality, it was just like a little grab to try to slow him down so that Wiggins could get the loose ball. Ultimately, there was a foul call on the play. Andrew Wiggins got called for the foul. And so it went. But I get it. I get it. We live in these times and Twitter is just losing its mind over this thing. I'm glad John Morant deleted his tweet because, hey, it's a little inflammatory, a little reactionary, a little petty, because if he knew that it was this grab that hurt his knee, why didn't he get mad at Jordan Poole on the court? Why didn't he make a big deal out of it? You know, no one said anything. You know, maybe it was the heat of the moment, but still, if it was so clear that that's what it was, then wouldn't you know it? If it was anything, it was the bang in the knees. But hey, that's just me. It sucks. I don't want John Morant to be out. I really, really enjoy watching him play. And honestly, you do. You do want to win, but you do want to beat the best, right? The Warriors have been in so many situations where their guys have been injured and they lose, right? Like the 2016 finals where their guys are beat up or Draymond gets suspended and so they end up losing. And so there's a what if. Then the 2019 finals when Clay gets hurt right after Kevin Durant gets hurt. And then there's the 2015 finals where Cleveland says, oh, if we had Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving healthy, we would have won, which, <laughs> come on, that's not serious. You know, <laughs> that's not real. But bottom line is like those debates happen. So I don't want this to be a series where Memphis is like, hey, we didn't have John Morant 
in the rest of the series. So, you know, you guys didn't deserve that victory. I don't want that. You know, that stuff's boring. I think the Warriors can and should win this fair and square. My prediction was six games, and I still think that. Knock on wood, I'm hoping they'll take game four at home, maybe lose in Memphis, and then take game six at home. That's the plan, ideally, for having home court advantage, you know, for stealing it back. So, you know, I like Clay's response that, you know, he has Jordan's back and he actually doesn't think that Jordan Poole is actually strong enough to hurt anybody like that. It's silly. And I I get the heat of the moment. Maybe, you know, the Memphis coach, Taylor Jenkins, was upset and just emotional and said something about that and, you know, wants to see the play and baiting the powers that be in the NBA front offices to look at it and do something about it. But if they do, this would be way, way more absurd than, honestly, than kicking Draymond out for a game in the 2016 finals. Because this was just nothing. This was nothing. So... I think it's it's pretty silly. And Jaron Jackson Jr., I've seen a couple of his post-game interviews, and he's a really bad interview. Great player, and I'm not saying he's not a smart guy, uh, but he is just not a good talker, and he hems and haws and doesn't really have an answer. And he got asked about that play that people are talking about. And the funny thing was, was like he, he couldn't really answer it. He felt like he was at a bit of a crossroads. He was a little confused as to what to say because the dude went to high school and won a state title with Jordan Poole. So he knows what Jordan Poole's about, and I don't think he was going to sit up there and badmouth him or anything or say it was intentional. And he agreed it wasn't intentional. No one was trying to hurt anybody. But he walked away saying, broke the code, (laughs) broke the code, which is kind of just a random thing to just walk off and say, But it was kind of funny. But deep down, it seemed pretty clear that his answer, he knew the truth, that it wasn't really a play that was trying to hurt somebody else. I mean, are you serious, right? We see all these little things that guys try to do. And who knows? Maybe Jaw's playing possum. You know, he's walking out limping. Like I said, I don't want the dude to be hurt. And hopefully he's fine. You know, he's 22 years old. Hopefully in a couple days, he'll be good to go. And that's what, as a basketball fan that's what i want to see first and foremost you know i want to see him attack the warriors i want to see how the warriors defend him this is one guy that the warriors have not seen his type of game you look at guys who have been similar to john morant in recent years you look at somebody like the young pre-injury derrick rose the warriors never played him when they were good and then you look at prime russell westbrook russ I mean, he didn't scare me the way that Jaw scares me sometimes, right? Like, Jaw is a real point guard, not just a guy looking for stats like Russell Westbrook's always been, you know? So I'm fascinated by how the Warriors guard him. I loved seeing the zone. I love seeing the Warriors start Kaminga to get a bigger, quicker, younger, defensive, more athletic guy out there to just, you know, cover switches and everything. So that's all I got on John Morant and that Jordan Poole thing. I think the rest of it is just silly. I get it. I get if true Memphis fans are upset about it because, hey, last episode I was like, hey, imagine how you would feel, Memphis fans, if somebody did to John Morant what Dylan Brooks did to Gary Payton II. Now, to be clear, again, this is not the same thing. So even something not as egregious as what Dylan Brooks did, now you're all upset about that. So it's 
Something more obvious, we were very upset about. Something less obvious, people are throwing a hissy fit. Anyway, this was a fun game to watch overall as a Warriors fan. The Warriors, they start off slow, as usual, throwing the ball all over the place, looking a little bit out of sync. I thought that their shot selection was was terrible at first. They were just jacking up shots and low percentage shots and early shots. And Memphis, they hit, I think they started the game with six threes. And it was just one of those things. It's like, oh, doom and gloom. But in reality, you know, that's your emotions talking. And in reality, though, you just got to get settled, weather the storm. And they did. They ended the half up by seven. They could have been up by 13 maybe, but there was a foul on Draymond Green because the timing between Steph and Draymond on the high screen and roll was off and Draymond got the foul and then Steph hit the three but waved off and then John Moran hit a buzzer beater three to end the half. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how they would come out after that, but they came out in the third quarter on an 8-0 run and Clay was hot and that's what you want to see. You know, we all talk about and we all know it that the less Clay dribbles and hunts his shot, the better he is when he's just coming off screens or just wide open and takes like one dribble at the most, like uh, a flyby dribble or a dribble to get around a screen and that's it and puts up a shot. That's the Clay Thompson who's always, always been hugely, hugely successful. Don't get me wrong, before his injury, he was coming into his own as a guy who could create a little bit more off the dribble and get to the basket. And I still think he can get a lot of that back and get more consistent with that. But that's more so like after a summer of working out, taking some time, and then into next season. But Clay was great. 35 minutes, 8 for 13, so only 13 shots, 4 for 6 from 3 plus 22, 21 points. Also, four assists, nine boards. That is a grown-up Clay Thompson stat line. He did all the other little things. Yeah, I mean, he had three turnovers as well, but that's just how the Warriors play right now, unfortunately. So you love to see that with Clay, and hopefully in the next game at home, game four, he can continue to shoot well because the Warriors desperately, desperately need that. They need to get this game four, in my opinion, because you just have to put that pressure on this Memphis team. Andrew Wiggins only played 26 minutes, but he was seven for 10, two for two from three, and hit his one free throw, three boards, two steals, one block, 17 points. As I always say, you want average Andrew Wiggins and That's kind of an average Andrew Wiggins stat line, but the energy that he's playing with and the intensity, that is actually way above average Andrew Wiggins. You know, we've been hearing about it throughout the playoffs and he's consistently bringing that effort. His shot, his free throw shot, his three-point shot, whatever, that will come and go. But what you really, really need from him And he's been doing it through the first round, second round, is just battling and battling and battling for rebounds, fighting on defense, picking up jaw, just giving the Warriors like that solid, solid kind of security blanket that you don't have to worry about Andrew Wiggins. Like, really, we don't have to worry about Andrew Wiggins' effort, period. That's a bit of a revelation and almost a contradiction of who Andrew Wiggins has been, right? Even this season, he's been up and down during the regular season, right? Like he had some hot streaks and then he would kind of fade, especially 
towards the end of the season. His three-point shot wasn't consistent. His free throws were terrible. And like I said, his shots will come and go. But the fact that he's fighting so hard on the boards, you know, the fact that when they go small, he's just battling and battling and battling. And if he's not getting the board, he's tipping it out. He's boxing out. He's doing something. And that coast-to-coast, bread-to-toast drive that he had where he got the board and just dribbled it. And no one was really playing any good defense. He had Brandon Clark on him. He just saw kind of an open lane behind Brandon Clark and he ran at him. Brandon Clark fell over. Thankfully, they didn't call a charge on that because I didn't think it was a charge. The guy was just moving and he, he dunked it, got the foul. After that massive dunk in game two, where he screamed and yelled, this might have been the second best dunk or second most significant dunk of Andrew Wiggins' career, right? Because again, it's second round of the playoffs. He's never been in the second round. So anything he does from here on out is substantially more important and significant than anything he's done the rest of his career before this. So shout out to that dude. And Steph, seven for 14 in 35 minutes, only two for eight from three, but hit all 14 of his free throws, had six assists, two boards, plus 21 on the night, 30 points. I was just so happy to see him just drain all of his free throws, get to the line and drain those shots. Because honestly, first few times he went up to the line, I was like, I hope he doesn't miss this because this is going to get weird if he keeps missing free throws. And a 14 for 14 night is very, very impressive that's very james harden-esque if you know what i mean and look at that curry 14 shots clay 13 shots andrew wiggins 10 shots you go down jordan Poole. he shot the most off the bench 31 minutes 11 for 17 three for five from three two for two from the line four boards two assists 27 points plus 33 that guy just lit it up you know He's not a fluke. (laughs) Everybody will have bad shooting games, but his energy and effort is just something else. In the second half, when he just went to the basket at the beginning of the fourth quarter, four or five straight times, I think it was four times, three times he scored. One time was like a pretty nice dunk for him. Another time he got fouled. Another time he kicked it out. And I believe Otto Porter Jr. hit a three. So he's making things happen. And after his dunk, he was yelling, you know, (laughs) something like, I'm really him. I'm really him. And you know what? He really is. And I love seeing that because how many, how many dudes on this team throughout the dynasty years have been really like that dude who is yelling at the crowd and really getting them up. Steph does that. Draymond does that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's not really a ton of other guys who have done that on the regular. And he's that guy too. He brings the energy on the court, off the court to the fans. His play is exciting. And I just, again, I can't believe how good his shot has gotten off the dribble and his layups. He really has that quick shot layup down to a science, right? I've said in the past, his quickness isn't necessarily his best trade. He was just very shifty and crafty and he can get his shot off so fast before the defense can catch up to him. And a lot of times it's just too late. He really is that bridge player who's taking the old dynasty into a potential new dynasty. In a couple of years, I still think that Jonathan Kaminga will be the better player between the two. But for right now, 
right now, it's Jordan Poole. He's the one who's going to affect these playoffs more so. It's great to see the guy grow and be ready for the moment every single time. And Jonathan Kaminga himself, he started the game in place of Gary Payton and played 18 minutes, eight for 10, two for four from three, 18 points, two boards, one assist. A lot of that was in garbage time. He had some three-point shots, a jumper, a dunk, something like that. And he played really, really well on defense at the start of the game. On offense, a little hesitant, a little confused, some bad decisions. You know, he got stuffed, didn't get the foul calls. And he wasn't going to get those, right? Because a lot of those were playoff fouls. And he's a rookie who was not going to get the benefit of the doubt. So... He looked pretty upset about that. And as I said during the regular season, I like it when he gets upset because that just shows that he wants it, that he's competitive. Overall, he stayed in front of Ja as best as he could and funneled him to other guys and was big and got in his way and got his hands up and whatever. So, you know, I love all these minutes. I keep thinking whenever I see him on the court, he is just getting more reps, right? As the Warriors always say, seeing more pictures of life in the playoffs. And I just think it's going to pay such huge dividends in later rounds, knock on wood, if the Warriors make it past these Grizzlies. Again, it's just, it's fun to see him on the court. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total made threes, total rebounds and more, and boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And of course, there was Otto Porter Jr. who came off the bench 24 minutes, five for seven from the field, three for five from three. Thankfully, he hit some shots, four boards, three assists, plus 30, 13 points, two blocks, and a steal. We all know Otto Porter Jr. was so solid for the regular season, especially the first half of it. And in the playoffs, he's been kind of rough, you know, hasn't been hitting his shot, the thing that was so reliable for him. But in this game, he was big. He was huge. He got a couple bad foul calls. And there was one where he got called for a travel. And on the replay, his left pivot foot didn't move at all. But, you know, he just brings some veteran savvy. And he played so well in the first half that he started for Jonathan Kaminga in the second half. And that had a lot to do with how the Warriors played coming out of that halftime, right? Because they went on that 8-0 run and they just kind of had a classic third quarter, a classic Golden State Warriors vintage third quarter where they just bowled the opponent into submission. So props to him and hopefully he can keep that going too. I mean, I say that for all these guys. When they play well, hopefully they can keep it going. Also, quick quick shout out and props to Damian Lee and Juan Toscano Anderson. Damian Lee is getting some minutes because he needs to fill in some guard rotation minutes for the missing Gary Payton. He, he's playing hard. 
you know? Sometimes he gets burned, but he's playing hard, trying to stay in front of Ja and not trying to do too much. And then Juan Toscano Anderson, again, not too many minutes, some garbage time minutes, but he played at the end of the first half just to make sure that Draymond and all the other regular rotation guys didn't pick up unnecessary fouls. But props to those guys for being professionals. You know, they were in the rotation, obviously, last season, and they're obviously not in it now. But it is kind of a luxury to be able to bring a couple of guys who you can count on to play within themselves and, for the most part, do the right thing in limited minutes. You know what I'm saying? So I appreciate them, and I appreciate what they're doing out there. This series, I, <laughs> I'm i so glad the Warriors won this game. And again, like I said earlier, they really have to take game four and get up 3-1 just to try to end this series as soon as possible. You don't want to give home court advantage back, right? The Warriors beat the Grizzlies by 30, but that doesn't mean anything if they lose on Monday. So hopefully they can bottle some of this. Hopefully they can figure out what they did right. And if Memphis makes any adjustments, hopefully they can change just as quickly. And hey, after game two, where they barely lost and they shot poorly, it was like, can they just shoot better? And can we see what would happen with that? And this is the result. They shot extremely well. Chase Center cures all, I suppose. They shot 17 for 32 from three. That's 53%. Last game, what? It was like 17, 18%. So there's a huge difference right there. And they shot 63% from the field overall compared to 43% from the field for the Grizzlies and a decent 37% from three for Memphis. Man, it's crazy. I think the Warriors were down by 13 at one point in the first quarter. So from that point on, they outscored the Memphis Grizzlies by 43. I don't know if the Warriors can shoot that well again, but if they can get close to it and just play sturdy defense and keep that energy up and have Chase Center loud and make sure the fans stay loud, then I like the Warriors' chances in the next game. If John Morant really is hurt, then that's not necessarily like a huge drop-off, right? John Morant was injured for a big chunk of the regular season, and the Grizzlies actually played better. (laughs) They played well, so they know how to do that. Obviously, they're not a better team without John Morant, but the trick is not to just play down or to relax thinking that because he's not in the game that you're just going to stroll through this one because he's not there and you beat them by 30 in game three, that is just going to be easy. That's the trap. So I'm guessing Jaw, unless it's some really crazy structural thing, I'm guessing he's going to play. But if he doesn't, then just keep an eye out for how the Warriors vibe is in that one. You know, they're not just going to waltz into a victory. And hopefully that's a situation where that veteran championship DNA, the playoff experience, Draymond, Steph, Clay, Steve Kerr, even Mike Brown, all the bench coaches, Leandro Barbosa, even Sean Livingston somewhere. I don't know if he talks to the team from the front office, but like hopefully they are able to keep the team focused because if they can take this game at home on Monday, I mean, we all know teams can come back from 3-1. But if they can take this game Monday and get up 3-1, then it's pretty much 
I'm not going to say 100%. I'm not going to say absolutely, but it would be very, 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 very close to over. Anyway, good game, you know, solid, fun. Uh, again, hopefully John Rant isn't hurt. Hopefully the NBA doesn't overreact to anything and move on from there. Also, shout out to Mark at University of Chicago, Hong Kong. Had a chat with him. He listens to the show. And as a fellow University of Chicago alum, I uh, appreciated talking to him over the weekend. So hopefully we're able to enjoy the game where you are. And hopefully he listened to this episode. <laughs> all right. That's all I got for now. That's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Just be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com and definitely check out our YouTube channel. The link to that will be in the show notes. Be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. If you're so inclined, please do give us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And also leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. That would be dope and super helpful. Thanks for listening. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time and go Dubs.